They have tech from, it's like they've maintained tech from their evolution with it. It's almost as if they've created the perfect whatever it is, right? And then as they evolved, it expanded and, and shifted and changed. And they're showing me even right now, they're like, when a civilization comes into a readiness to receive this technology and understands their own responsibility and accountability, they receive the tech that is either unable to be used in a destructive way and or the tech that is appropriate for their their current degree of consciousness consciousness expansion right so they're not handing nuclear weapons to toddlers you know what i mean you got to accentuate the positive wow i feel good a little bit of feel good goes a long way you're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. Always wonderful to be with you all again. And please remember, if you're liking the shows, share them with your friends and your fellow starseeds <laughs> and uh, leave us a comment. Send us an email if, the, if you're listening on a platform where you can't comment and uh, press that like button and subscribe button if you're on the video platforms. Well, I have the most gorgeous galactic goddess to introduce you to today. Some of you might already know her, Bridget Renee Holiday. Welcome to the show, Bridget. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here with you, Karen, and with all of you. Hi, guys. <laughs> I have heard snippets of Bridget's story uh, because she's one of our galactic goddesses that was uh, in the galactic goddess roundtable that we did with um, with Sheila Seppi and the other galactic goddesses but um, I'm going to find out more about Bridget today along with the rest of you she's got an amazing story but let me let me read her bio and uh, we'll find a little bit more about Bridget Bridget Renee Holiday is a starseed a channel multi-dimensional medium and a galactic unity ambassador she holds frequencies of unity consciousness and grounds them into the human experience her star lineage includes palladian syrian arcturian lyrian andromedan and aurora amongst others aurora i haven't heard of before as an ascension contact specialist she communicates with the high realms and assists others to expand and embrace these innate connections within themselves her mission includes normalizing the conversation and perceptions around interdimensional, extra-dimensional, ultra-dimensional and extra-dimensional, extraterrestrial beings. Bridget's soul work is offered through beyond quantum healing hypnosis, multi-dimensional energy healing, awakening and mentoring starseeds with her ascension journey. Bridget helps you remember who you are and that you have trained in lifetimes for what you are here to do on earth in this lifetime. Bridget also enjoys sharing cosmic wisdom and knowledge through online speaking engagements and workshops. She's also one of our galactic goddesses, as I said, connecting hearts across the water and an ambassador for the wish Alliance. And you do a lot of work on uh, clubhouse, right? Clubhouse, which is an online audio 
sort of interactive audio platform, which I heard about for the first time through you. Yeah, I, I'm on Clubhouse a lot. Um, it's a drop-in audio only app. So it's great because you don't have to, you know, get ready and look a particular way and you really get a sense for people, right? And who they are at the core of their frequency. And we um, have the, the most amazing consciousness community on there. Uh, and it, of course, just like, you know, in in the consciousness community at large, it really does run the spectrum, you know, but um, yeah, I spend a lot of time on there. I'm there Mondays and Fridays, every Monday and Friday at 7.30 um, Eastern for Awaken Ascending. That's our club that we have. And then we do the Wish Alliance streams every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. I don't know what the time the time difference is for Australia. I would say that. <laughs> I usually do. So UK is 12.30 a.m. Um, for yeah. Monday and Friday and then 1 a.m. for uh yeah, Thursday. it's the it's the morning the day before for Australia and New Zealand and the Asia and, and places like that. Yeah. I know. It, it's um but it's amazing that you can stream the Zoom audio onto the anyway, the technology is amazing and I'm so impressed <laughs> with what you do. And what you, but um let me tell people about your website is your name, Bridget Renee But you how did you discover that you were a star thing? What was your awakening ascension journey? I'm dying to know. So it's very interesting because leading up until my, what I call my starseed awakening, I really, like I would hear about things and I was really into like the sci-fi things when I was little and, you know, of course, Star Wars and Star Trek and stuff like that when I was little, but I had no idea. A lot of my friends, like they've known since they were little, I've been communicating with a a collective of beings that I call a soul team. We all have one, right? Um, and then in that collective is a large group of beings that share similar frequencies. Um, they have a lot of commonality and I always just saw them as beings of light. They showed me, they're just a little different looking than say like an angelic being or, you know, even ascended masters before they show you a form, you know, they all have an energetic signature. So I always know them all by frequency. And this group, this group within my collective after I had two contact experiences as an adult in my living room, the first one during meditation, the second one in my bedroom three hours later, um, while I was getting ready for bed, I was sitting in my bed. Uh, so I, mean, I had these amazing experiences happen. And then my group start, started, you know, I would go into meditation or I'd be talking to them and I'd, I'd have so this is what I look like, right? And it would be like, here's my head, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. And then another being would be like, here's what I look like from like the chest up, you know? And finally they were like, and this is my whole body. You know, they're all excited because they could actually show me a different perspective of who they were and I was ready to see, right? So it's um, it's been a wild journey. And as soon as I had that starseed awakening, I mean, as soon as I had the first contact experience, as soon as it was completed, immediately my consciousness started shifting and I could feel things falling away. I could feel things within my consciousness um, beginning to open, like doors were just swinging wide open. And I was like, this is changing me. Like this, I'm changing right before, you know, my very eyes. Right. And then the second one um, actually brought up a fear response in me, which was really unusual. Um, and my my fear response was super heightened, which was something that I don't usually 
I don't have a lot of fear. I've, I've not lived with a lot of fear in my life, nor anxiety. I mean, I've had the odd anxiety moment here and there over things, but not like some of my friends, right? And so for weeks, I was living in this like upwelling of all of these things, like, you know, fear of, of little things and big things and all the things. And I really think, you know, one, it helps me to relate to people in a different way, right? Now that I know what they're experiencing, and I've been through it myself. It's more, I can, I always have compassion for it, right? But now it's, I have more of an understanding of how to work with it. But what my team had told me it happened was with the first one, she was such a high frequency. And we had like direct, my third eye was wide open. I'd been meditating. It was, I was on my third 45 minute meditation with like 30 minutes of play in between each of them. So she was just right here, right? Like she leaned over me and, and started communicating with me. And they said what happened with her is it brought all of my low hanging fruit to the surface energetically in my consciousness, all of those things that we don't see, right? We were not aware of. And then the second one triggered a fear response that was actually collective programming that had been adopted in over the years from like TV shows and movies and conversations and different things like that, right? So what I was doing was I had this upwelling of all of these things simultaneously. And honestly, at that time, I was coming out of kind of a dark night of the soul in a deep depression. And this was kind of um, like a side effect of me placing myself in a conscious spiritual hibernation many years before, because they had showed me a timeline that felt way too big for me. Uh, and so I was like, nope, not doing it. So I kind of tucked in, you know, and kind of you know, ostrich, had an ostrich moment for a while. And it was well time for me to be out of that, right? So when I finally did start to come out of it, I had so much 3D consciousness stuff, right, that I had adopted in and, and that I'd never held the the majority of my life, right? So that it was all just coming at like, okay, it's time to do the inner work, right? And I was also clearing for the collective is what my team told me with, with the fears of our star family. Our, I like to call it, call them star family. If you guys hear me say that, it's a lot shorter than saying interdimensional, extradimensional, ultradimensional, extraterrestrial plus, right? So I just say star family, even if they're not from a star system, you know, I just call them that, but multidimensional family. I mean, we could say so many things, but <laughs> so that's kind of how I awakened, right? Was this big shebang. And honestly, I had had random people here and there, you know, I was a very social person. So over the years, I had met people that were really into ufology and they would tell me all these amazing stories. And I was never like, oh, I don't believe you. I was like, oh, this is a cool story. And then as soon as we were done with our connection, it would be just out of my mind. Like I used to, um, not like it just disappeared completely from my memory, but it was just the furthest thing from my mind to think about beings that weren't on earth, right? So or other than my team, right? Um, and it was just, it was unusual. It's like I had blinders on to all of this until I didn't. And then it was like eyes wide open, information just channeling through because um, I've channeled my whole life, right? So, and and it was one of those moments where I like to, you know, think that I'm introspective about myself, right? And then all of this, these doors opened and I was like, huh, how did I not know this? 
<laughs> you know? And then my, of course, my high self and my team were like, it wasn't time yet. This is, this is the time you chose for yourself, right? Because at first I was like, wait, does this mean something about me, <laughs> you know, that I don't see? But no, it was just my natural awakening point, right? Um, and so that's how it started. I feel like you have a question. Well, I'm just loving what you're saying. <laughs> uh, you know, the thing that, the things that stuck out for me was, I felt like I had blinders on until I didn't, you know, that's Mm -hmm. the human story. Like that's what we're here to do. We're here to do the human story, the human drama, which is the blinders until we're not. And for everyone that's different. Some might wake up at seven, some might wake up at 70, you know, like, and the, and I guess we designed that in our soul plan and some might design a wake up and then you know they have opportunities to wake up they have crazy sisters like me that say yeah did you know that you're actually an extraterrestrial and they go nah you're ridiculous that's what I say to my brothers right Uh, (laughs) and really reject it because you're so embedded in the human drama and the human story that um, none of this stuff that we're talking about is possible it's all fantasy to your you know intellectual analytical logical mind you know it doesn't make sense until it does yeah It's super weird, though, because when anyone would ask me, do you think we're alone in the universe? I'd always be like, of course not. You know, of course we're not. Like, of course, there are other beings out there. But it just it was almost like it was like this field that would just pull it out. Every time something new would come in, it would be like this. It was almost like I was testing myself on different layers and levels as someone new would come in and talk about things. And I wasn't like a, oh, I I wasn't a naysayer about it. I was just, oh, this is cool. These are very interesting stories. And they would leave and I would be back into, you know, channeling for my friends and channeling for my family and channeling beings that they were just talking about without knowing that, right? And I just think it's so funny. I think there's a lot of people, like, it's important for us to know in our starseed journey that it happens whatever way we set aside for ourselves before we come in, right? And that was my, one of the things that was really important for me to understand and that you're not doing anything wrong if you haven't had contact yet. You're not doing anything wrong if you're reaching for them and you're not getting direct communication. I would say meditate because they really come in in meditation and also be in a state of joy, right? That was something I learned very early on. I'm a fairly joyful, happy, you know, person on average. And, you know, I'm, I'm that the glass, you know, half full person, right? So, so, you know, being in a state of joy is not a complicated thing for me. But it, if we really, if we find our play again, those things that we really enjoyed when we were young, and even pull those in or pull in an adult equivalent to that, that really um, raises our vibration and we become very clear in the state of play, in the state of joy. Um, and love, of course, is important. And then it makes the connection with them much easier. And really, they are us, we are them, right? But yeah, I love it. Another thing that you said that I thought was pertinent was, um, you know, your awakening involved you being really present to your fear. And I was thinking about this yesterday, today, actually. Um, and, and, you know, I teach us and, and think about this often. When we do shine the light, and this is what's happening on planet Earth, when we turn up the light, right? So when you have contact or you expand your psychic abilities or you awaken, you literally turn up the light in your being, in your mind, in your consciousness. It does show you where all the distortion is. It does show you where you hold fear, whether that fear is fear that you've 
develop over your lifetime or as you said that fear that you designed you like you came in with to work on for the collective like you come into families dysfunctional families and you take on their fear through the dna lineage you can take it on when you're in utero you can take on your mother's fear and your parents fear and the you know the collective fear and but somehow we can manage to hold that fear until we awaken and then it comes and slaps you in the face (laughs) and that's i think you know the 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 drama that starseeds go through or that anyone goes through when they have a spiritual awakening journey they get really present to what they're holding in their subconscious mind yeah Mm -hmm. and it was kick-started with me dodging a timeline right a timeline where I was going to have a big presence in the world um and my team you know they tell me a lot of things, right? And they tell me a lot of details. And they came to me when I was going through a goth stage, right? Not like super black lipstick goth, more classic. But, you know, so I was really into a, a, a strange, you know, outside persona that's a little more rebellious. You know, I was in this moment in my life, right? I'm sure a lot of people can relate to, to that feeling where the persona is actually super important in that moment, right? Or you feel that it is. And they, they told me, you're going to go blonde. <laughs> I think it was bright red at that time. You're going to go blonde. You're going to have to dress like, you know, very like, you know, vanilla, essentially, right? Not that vanilla is, isn't a beautiful uh, spice, but, um, and they showed me this thing. They're like, you're going to be like the spiritual Oprah. And I was like, no, 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 absolutely not. But then what they showed me next was like all of the things that the reason I said no is because they showed me all of the things that people were going to do to try to knock me down some pegs. Right. So like, here's the, here's the contrast you'll face. And they showed me thousands of things, people just being really horrible and mean to mean to me for no reason. Right. That kind of a thing. And so I was like, absolutely not not doing it. It It's bad enough. Like I could go blonde. I could get that. Right. I could probably change my clothes. I could get that. Right. I mean, I grew up with blonde because my hair was like kind of a a medium brown and every summer it would turn blonde. Right. So I was like, I can, I can get that. But what really got me was, you know, all of the, all of the things people were going to reflect off of me essentially. Right. And I was young. So I was like, no, not doing it. And then I went into like kind of a, a mini spiritual hibernation. Um, not that I wasn't still doing work in the world and things like that. I just, you know, went into it with fear. Right. So you get that fear and I came out with fear. So even though the fear was more of like a deep fear, right? It's still magnetic, right? So if we're thinking about the magnetism that we have in our own, you know, in our own human experience, just as being, you know, infinite creator beings, right? Um, That drew in little things from the programming and things like that, that I, you know, it kind of just stacked up like, you know, bricks or whatever. So when it was time for me to come out of it, all of the little strands of fear were coupled with all of these other things that I didn't even, wasn't even conscious about bringing in. Plus the collective aspect of it, because when we clear the star seeds that are awakened, right? When we clear, we're clearing for the collective. And some of us come in with specific blueprints for that. Um, in not necessarily deeper ways, but um, more broad spectrum ways, right? So I don't do it with everything. 
Um, I would say, I mean, obviously, anytime we clear, we're clearing from the collective grid, but I don't do it mass amounts of it with everything. Thankfully, that's not one of the blueprint blueprint items I chose for myself because it's really intense. And those of you that are doing that, I just want to give a big thank you, a gratitude for you. You're amazing and you're so strong. We really appreciate you. So I do it when it's brought in, right? I'm constantly tapped into the collective energies. I have been since I was... I mean, the first time I remember tapping into the collective energies, I was a toddler and had wasn't using English yet. So it had to be when I was like still one, one, maybe two. I think I started speaking before I was two, but surprise, no surprise there. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I think, you know, with all of this, with the fear, I mean, it's time with with our fifth dimensional frequency, fear is not compatible, right? So if we're stepping more into that fifth dimensional and above, I mean, uh, frequency and more of the embodiment of our higher dimensionality, then fear is just not compatible with it. It's not that, um, you know, in a if we were purely all co-creating a fifth dimensional world, like we're planning and stepping into, there, there just is no space for fear in that. There's no space for otherness in that. One of the foundational building blocks of the fifth dimension is unity consciousness. The other is unconditional love, right? So you can, you know, everybody gets that these things are coming up so that we can move through them. It doesn't, and, it, and it's not bad, right? This is an experience we've been choosing for a really long time in the human experience. And now we're moving into new ways of being human. Um, we're changing the human experience, all of us starseeds, awakened starseeds and walk-ins and hybrids. And, um, you know, we're here to change the human experience from within, right? I kind of segued a little bit, but I got really excited. <laughs> I love talking about this stuff. I just thought that was so fascinating. You you dodged a timeline or you chose, you not dodged it, but you, you chose a different timeline. And uh, you were told it was something about Oprah. I remember years ago when Oprah started her own channel, you know, she wanted, she was programming. She wanted to have programs for healing and, and all that sort of stuff in a bit of more of a mainstream way. And she was sending out, um, you know, requests for people to be interviewed to come on and, and start shows on her own channel. I don't think she has own anymore. I think that that did it go belly up. I, think I don't that, know. I thought I saw it not too long ago, but oh, maybe. anyway, I don't keep uh, up with the news, but yeah, yeah this is like, oh, this is years ago, probably, I don't know, 20, 15 years ago. And I remember, oh, I'm going to, even though I'm out here in Australia and there in the States, I thought I'm going to fill out a form and I'm going to apply, you know, and as That's I amazing. was filling out the form, I got this really strong download that I was going to get it. And then they said, is this what you choose? Like they gave me that choice, just like your timeline. Yeah. Right? Is this what you really want? Like it'll take you on a totally, well, not different. I'll still be teaching, but it'd be a really different journey. It would mean I'd have to move to the States. I'd have to move away from, yeah, I'd have to move with my daughter. Anyway, it was much more complicated. She was young, father, you know, there was a big decision there. And I remember filling this form out and seeing that this would happen if I sent the form in. And I said, no, <laughs> I, made I made that choice. I made that choice to not go down that. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? And, and it's our, I love that synchronicity, but it's also our prerogative right now. I'm still on a trajectory to be talking to lots of people. It is something that is, I didn't realize when I came out that um, this was still in play because of the first one, my team was kind of, you know, coddling me a little bit because they're like, 
<laughs> we don't want it, we don't want that to happen again. And I request a lot of things, like access to a lot of things. I have access to a lot of my knowingness and I can, you know, access, you know, as I said, timelines and collective things like that. But um, so they've been very gentle because I'm like, I want to do this in a way where, you know, it is well received and in a way where, because at that time I was going to be so much earlier than all of, than where we are now. Right. And um, the world was a very different place. Most people were still slumbering, you know, most yeah. of the, their aspects of consciousness were still slumbering. Right. So yeah. um, I'm comfortable now. I, I feel like a lot of, a lot of us, you know, now it's time to like, you know, help. And all of this really does give us perspective when we listen to other people's journeys, you know, like there'll be some people right now that are like, I can't believe you would not you know, choose to do something like that. And there'll be others that'll be like, yeah, I wouldn't have done it either. Right. And I think that's, what's so beautiful about the human experience is that we have the right to choose. We have that free will choice and it brought a lot of hardship in my life. You know, I, I will say, you know, I, the decisions and the choices and the things that came from that was not um, necessarily a you know, a series of, of experiences. I mean, there was a lot of beauty and a lot of love and a lot of good things, but, um, you know, it was like clipping my own wings. Right. Yeah. So, you know, there was a lot of deep intensity and contrast and contrast that came with that decision, but also, um, you know, it gave me opportunity to really ground into my human experience in a way that I hadn't before. Yeah, exactly. And what you said, about the vision that they showed you, you know, you're the sort of blonde spiritual Oprah, um, that you would get a lot like of ridicule. Uh, you know, I, I, mm. I, I, that was what I was shown too. If you put yourself mm. out that publicly in that time, you know, that, that long ago, mm. cause I think I was talking about 15 years ago before 2012, because 2012 is when things really shifted and this conversation became a much bigger conversation and more accepted. And a lot of people woke up and, you know, the last few years, a lot more people have woke but before then, yeah, there was so much ridicule and judgment when we have conversations about in, at this level, you know, about star seeds and multidimensionalism. And so it would mean really compromising your beliefs to dumb it down to a mainstream audience, which I think Oprah really did for years as well, because she was deeply mm -hmm. spiritual, but she could not discuss the things that she wanted to discuss on her show because the mainstream audience wasn't ready for it, which she has spoken about publicly, especially when she interviewed the Abraham, you know, Esther and Esther Hicks. Oh, yes. Yeah. But, uh, okay, so I want to ask you about your experiences <laughs> with your with your mob. You call them your staff family. I call them the mob. What are some of the experiences? Because they've given you some amazing experiences. And then I want to ask you about how they helped you overcome the fears that arose, you know, either through the collective. But what are some of the experiences they've given you? Oh, my goodness. I've had so many. Recently, I just accessed uh, my Auroran frequencies. I call it as, you know, like starseed awakening, um, grounding in the frequencies, those things. But for me, it doesn't mean that's what everybody will think of it as. For me, it's when I have an experience that brings in the remembrances um, and activates those frequencies that we already hold, right? But consciously activates them within my life. So um, the Aurorans, you know, I was doing a meditation that was happening. I think it was, I don't remember if it was on Clubhouse or on one of the Thursday Zoom rooms with con cosmic conversations with Sheila but it was one of those and um I had been the Aurorans 
I had had an activation with a friend of mine who did a Beyond Quantum Healing Hypnosis session with me, and we hold a lot of similar frequencies. And um, so when Alex had come to me, a lot of our commonality came through, like our Andromeda connection that we were feeling. Um, he's my sister, you know, and so it's just one of those natural progression things. And the Aurorans came through and instantly I was like, I know me, <laughs> you know, it was like one of those moments, like, I know me, we are like, yes, I get it. I know it. So that was sort of the beginning of the activation. Um, and the way I perceive them and perceive us now is we look like um, plasma fire energy with kind of like shimmers of the crystalline diamond rainbow light and more colors that we don't see here, right? Um, and that can be different colors and different combinations. So, you know, connecting in with with you know a dear friend in his session you know with who he is and then automatically receiving information yes i am too and getting the information you know within my remembrances being activated then in this meditation they pulled me out um or in within depending on which perspective you're looking from right so they pulled me out and and pulled me into a different dimension um but it was a very high dimension. So what will actually translate into English is I was surrounded um, in a dimensional expression where everything sort of looked like that plasma fire energy um, with specks of sparkling energetics, like shimmering with an entire family of Auroran beings standing around me. I was in an Auroran form, which I had seen my soul form before um, when I was much younger. And it looks like plasma fire energy, but it's like white and golden. Um, and that's, I had seen it and felt it many times when I was much younger, when I was like a teenager and in my early twenties. And so I had that form. Um, but there was more to it, right? So it was much more expanded. And really, it's all about feeling and being. Um, so I could, the sensations were incredible. It's like all of this really fine, high um, energy, but it has those, the fullness to it um, that our states of being have, like our emotional states that are very high, but even more like a broadband spectrum to it. That's the only way I can describe it. It's really hard to put all of this to words, not hard per se, but I haven't, I haven't found the words for it yet. Um, that was my most recent one, but I mean, I've had full experiences of thousands of my Andromedan lives happening simultaneously when I asked about my connection to Andromeda Galaxy. And um, that actually happened in a Beyond Quantum Healing Hypnosis session that I received. Um, and at the same time, I was seeing thousands of lives with dragons because I had asked, you know, both of those questions. So they just showed me all of them at the same time and they were kind of popping me in and out of them. Um, I want to say my first experiences, other than the contact experiences, um, there was a really beautiful one where I got to experience myself, another parallel aspect of myself. Um, as a dimensional being, and um, we live in a dimensional plane of existence that it's like infinite, right, is the best way to, to describe it. And this happened during a meditation consciousness traveling journey. Um, 
and I was traveling. I often go and look at Gaia. I like to, I like to come out and look at her. I have a, a big affinity for just honoring her and loving her while I'm here, but also when I'm in meditative state. And uh, so I was out there and I had this pull to go further into space. And then I'm looking at different things. I just like to go check things out and explore. My soul team started taking me on consciousness traveling journeys when I was a teenager. So like anytime I would go into a trance state, they, and it was safe, they'd pull me out. That was like the first thing they do or within, depending on how you're looking at it. Right. Um, but in this one, I felt this energy behind me and I'm in consciousness form. For me, that looks like I don't have a body, but I can sense the consciousness outline of my body. I spun around and there was this enormous, very rectangular doorway that had been created where space had folded in to create the threshold all the way around. It was so cool. So you could see pinpricks of stars <laughs> in the threshold too. And there was this beautiful white energy that was coming um, and didn't cross the, the, the edge of the threshold. And as I moved closer, I got more and more excited and I could see pinpricks of light, like tiny little filaments of light all within this white. Um, and there were colors that I knew were there but I couldn't see them because I was still connected to my human in my consciousness um, and when I went in I became this thing and it was like my body if someone who would have walked in in that moment they would have thought that I was having seizures because the energy was so fine and so high and um, these beings don't normally really have much of a shape to them um but they have kind of they created kind of it almost looked like a gingerbread man but like 12 feet tall um kind of a shape they all had individuality but were a very much a co-creating consciousness so they knew each other they had um not persona like we do but something very similar it wasn't a hive mind at all but I had this moment, like I, I wanted to breathe the energy into my isness um, in this little dimensional space they had created for me to come in and reconnect with them. And I was breathing, even though I wasn't using lungs, right? I was just, you know, still having that very, you know, kind of human, you know, visceral moment with the energy. And I felt a shift and I, I looked down and my hands were their hands and I was everything opened up like my consciousness just expanded so vast and um it was beautiful it was so beautiful I took a little tour I looked out um past the dimensional plane of existence like I had been there I mean for like eons right and I knew that what I was seeing there were pieces missing that were just not in in vision and it was totally okay it was one of those things where like I know there's something there and I knew what it was in the moment I just wasn't able to perceive it visually um and it was there was a lot that it was showing me it was showing me that when we're even when we're consciousness traveling if we're still really connected to our human consciousness that we can have that illusion of forgetting even in an expanded state um, at that time for that particular meditation, I wasn't completely expanding out, right, and disconnecting a lot. Um, so it was still very interesting to see these, you know, heavenly bodies um, existing and understanding that there were 
so many like thousands of colors that I wasn't perceiving, but I could feel them, sense them and know that they were there. And it was all perfectly fine. Like there was no right or wrong, good or bad. The polarity almost didn't exist in this dimension. Everything, I mean, it was just beautiful. Meanwhile, my body is freaking out <laughs> I, and it would draw my attention because it was just sobbing uncontrollably. Like as soon as I went through the threshold, the energy traveled into my physical form from where I was and my body was just sobbing uncontrollably and shaking and tremoring just because the vibrations were so high and so fine. Um, and my body was not adjusted to that. Um, so, and this is so many years ago, but yeah, there've been so many experiences. When I moved to Florida, um, you know, one of the first things I saw, I'm just gonna preface this. One of the first things I saw when my team would take me on consciousness traveling journeys to other planets and explain things to me, I didn't see starvings right because I again the blinders right but what I would see were dragons and it always baffled me and um, I was like this is so cool and they were enormous and all different shapes and sizes and different types but they were always there were dragons around planets big giant cosmic dragons that were like bigger than planets and then they're you know as we're traveling I'm seeing them going do you guys see this and they're like yeah this is normal. And I'm like, okay. And so we would get, you know, we would get to a planet and there'd be dragons in this, in, you know, what would be their atmosphere. And so I've had this love of dragon, dragon energy. I've had them come in. The first one I ever met was kind of a crystalline diamond rainbow dragon. I didn't realize that's the energy at the time. I thought it was just a rainbow dragon. Um, and when I moved to Florida, I was communicating with my star beings. I was communicating with my soul team. There's a lot of different being types of beings on my soul team. And I was having a hard time connecting to the land. And it was a big thing for me. It was very sad. I could connect to the plants. I could connect to the co-inhabitants. I was having just a, a difficult time connecting to the land. And um, that's something that's hugely important. I could also connect to Gaia, which was interesting. So I was having this moment of just feeling sad at night one night, and I was looking at the stars, communicating with my star beings. And they said, close your eyes and take a deep breath. So I did. And then all of a sudden, I feel this enormous presence in front of me. And it was the head of a dragon that was as big as an SUV. When I opened my eyes, I saw it visually and with my third eye, like the combination. And it wasn't quite fully like materialized into physical form, but it was really close. And I'm looking, you know, I'm standing pretty far, like a person's length away from it. And I'm just like, wow, there's a dimensional split the head comes out and then it, you know, the, the top of the dimension, like it had just parted the dimension, like it was, you know, a curtain and popped its head out and started speaking to me in my mind and told me what to do, made an adjustment in my energy and immediately I could connect to the earth, but also it had cleared some energy from the, the space that we're in, which had a lot to do with humans, and hurricanes, because we get a lot of hurricane energy here. And so um, it helped to clear the land and the space. And I know they're not necessarily what most people consider uh, as a star being, but for me, I consider them to be cosmic wisdom keepers. To me, they're not always identified with planetary uh, bodies, with 
you know, celestial bodies. Um, I've seen them, like, as I said, often in space in their own right. Um, and then after I saw all my lives with them, it's even more confirmed to me. But these are just some of them. I have so many. I wake up on ships, things like that. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just wrote that down cosmic wisdom keepers love that um you know I, I've I thought about so many things during that during what you were saying because uh, you know the two of us before we started the recording were being total <laughs> girls and we're talking hair right we're talking hair color yeah. hair hair health hair, hair, hair and I was saying to Bridget <laughs> that I love the color of her beautiful red hair and she said well normally it's much more fiery red and then you're mm -hmm. talking about seeing this plasma fire red energy that is you and I'm like no wonder she colors her hair fiery red <laughs> <laughs> it's and so funny yeah, aurorans are all different colors, right? So if you can imagine energy beings, right? The colors, the different colors we see of them. Aurorans are all different colors. There are some that are red. Mine is more like white, white, kind of white golden fire. Uh, my my energy being, but they're telling me even now they're saying the color changes and and shifts. It's not a, it's not like you're you're born a color and stay that way right um you can shift and evolve and change and expand and well the thing about white light is as we know when you put it through a prism it it, it um explodes into every light you know white light is every light white light is every light and black is supposed to be the absence of light but i don't know about that um so aurorans aurorans they're energy beings so the auroran star system is is a, is a place, is a physical place or a dimensional place? What is the Aurora? I'm not an expert on them yet. I just know what I've experienced so far. I actually did try to do uh, an internet search to see if anyone else is talking about Aurorans. I have friends that are, but I didn't find much. Like, I think I found one thing and it was very short. Um, my experience of where I was is it was a dimensional existence. Now that doesn't mean they don't have some sort of planetary existence. Um, like again, I haven't I haven't dove super deep into them. I just know their frequency is very very high. I would say the Aurorans that I connected with feel like they're either like eighth or ninth. Um, I'm hearing eight and above so I guess they they span like we do would be what I'm hearing from them right now but yeah so I'm I'm still investigating the aurorans I do know that we're activating those frequencies within ourselves now and they've said there are others it's not just you know a handful of people that I know right um because it brings in um you know, a broader band to our frequency that we have here. It's got the codes and the keys and all of those things, but I'm still exploring. I don't know all of the races. I do talk about a lot of different races, um, but I know more about the ones that I hold frequency from or of really, and um, am, have been communicating with for a while, right? And have that, that, I'm adept at connecting with those remembrances within myself. So I haven't quite yet. I mean, this is, this is recent, like a week and a half, two weeks since I had the experience of them pulling me in. And I think maybe a month and a half, two months of the first one. So that's how long it took before I actually had um, 
at my first like activation with them. I think it's beautiful. I I'm I get excited. I think, you know, activating these frequencies within our human expression is so important because we're able to really ground it in. Like there are some of us I know that we're here to be in the ethers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, what I'm feeling right now for all of the, you know, the majority of the star seeds is ground it in, be mm-hmm. in the body, ground it in, because there are many different um, ways that we're changing the energetics, right? We're yeah. assisting Gaia with hers. Yeah, She is the reason we're in ascension, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And that we're all here, yeah. you know, we all received the call. So what you're saying about grounding is the mm -hmm. reason starseeds take on a human form because they're grounding that celestial energy into the, the matrix, the energetic matrix of the third dimensional physical earth and shifting it. Yeah. Yeah. Grounding it in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we do this in our other, you know, many of our other existences, especially those that are more what we would call creator existences. Um, you know, we, we will, you know, create an expression place, right? A place that we're going to express within, whether that be a dimensional plane of existence or a planetary body or some sort of celestial body. And then we we adjust it from, you know, expanded consciousness, but when we go in and we, we deposit codes, keys, and frequencies in creating some sort of form for expression. And then we pop back out and, you know, take a look at the overall energetics, adjust, tweak, go back in. And we do that constantly. And then we will also, um, you know, be called if we're in a parallel and, um, you know, we'll be called, you know, maybe this particular expression requires Pleiadian codes, keys, and frequencies. So then Pleiadians will come, spend some time in the planet, and then leave, right? And then you might have Arcturians come in as well. You might have Lyrans. You might have, you know, various types of beings come in for periods of time because there's an energetic adjustment that's happening through expressing within it. And that's what we're doing here. We're just doing it in a human form. Yes. So like we're doing multiple things at once, right? So we're evolving our soul expression, you know, and how we do it, but we're also, um, you know, changing the experience from within. That's what I was trying to say. I think it yeah. came out clear. That's clear, it right? Did. It came out very, it came out very clear. <laughs> okay. When you were talking about your dragon experience and not collecting to the land, um, you know, because I said to you before, when you talk, I asked the mob questions. I'm like, why can't you connect mm-hmm. to the land? And the first thing they said was, um that they said that the trauma around the death energy that you were experiencing there and then I went huh mm-hmm. and then I started listening to you and you started talking about the tornadoes and how hurricanes. that had hurricanes mm-hmm. yeah hurricanes mm-hmm. how that had trauma traumatized you know and there was a lot of that trauma energy that you I guess you perceived on an unconscious level that you didn't want to connect with so how did the I, dragon yeah. help you transmute yeah. that that goes back into the question of how do we you know, from our galactic lineage, from our galactic perspective, how do we transmute the fear? Because, yeah, how do we transmute the fear? I didn't know what it was, but it was it was just really strange. Like I would go and sit and connect in. It was like there was a barrier. 
between me and, and the land. Though the first time it happened, I was like, what? And I reached down and could connect perfectly fine to Gaia. So my cord was still connected. I'm very, very connected in. And I was like, okay. And then I'm like, you know, got you, can talk to you, can talk to you, can talk to you. You know, there's a ton of little baby dragons. That's what I call lizards all over the property here, right? So I'm like, baby dragon, check. Yes, bird, check. Everybody's, everything else is fine. But this, there's something here. And I was starting to feel disjointed because in Texas, I grew up in Dallas, Texas. In Texas, I was deeply connected to the land, regardless of where I was within there. In Colorado, I'm deeply connected to the land. Wherever I've traveled, deeply connected to the land. This was the first place I'd been that it just wasn't, wasn't happening. And the dragon did, he was communicating with me, um, speaking very boomy dragon way uh, within my consciousness. Um, but he was telling me that it's okay, that I had, you know, it wasn't about me per se. Um, just, and said that there was something about my energetics and this, you know, this land that just needed to be adjusted and essentially it felt like he reached into me made an adjustment and then another one and then did this I mean I, I watched it and felt it happen it was like this feeling and all of a sudden I was connected so the land but it was like layers of the earth's crust um just got it wasn't like he pushed it aside per se his energy just expanded out and down and um, transmuted. And then I, after that happened, I kept getting this really funny visual of a particular place um, in our, we have a quite large driveway. I live in a plumeria nursery. So there's, you know, multiple acreages and we have beautiful plants everywhere. And um, there was this one spot in like the drive that they kept showing me going there and then pulling in all of this cosmic energy and slamming my hand down on the ground and just having it ripple and radiate out. And I was like, yes, but I don't think I've remembered how to do that yet. <laughs> I, was like, I, was like, I don't know. I mean, if you had seen the magnitude of energy that was coming through, I was like, I'll try it. And I'm out there like trying to do it. And I could get a lot of energy because I have a pretty open channel, right? Um, it's like a column. Um, and I could get it just to flow through. And I just like, opened you know the floodgates right and then I would try to boom it into the earth and it would just be like just going continuing to flow down you know into guy and I was like I don't think I so if any of you guys know how to do this just hit me up on insta dms come just slide into my dms and tell me what I'm what I need to remember because <laughs> I'm like I don't know but it was gonna have this ripple effect and I was like I think you guys think I'm I'm activated in ways that I'm not yet within the human experience. They used to always give me, give me the, the thing of, yeah, you can fly. Flying is totally possible. And I'm like, <laughs> maybe eventually, but right now, if I jump off this roof, I probably won't fly, you know? So <laughs> I think they have a funny sense of humor sometimes, but. But, yeah, I'm, um, I'm thinking about the classic, um, you know, story of the little kid that so knows he can fly, jumps off the roof. And, and because we himself. can in other lives. Yeah, <laughs> there's this memory of being, well, being mm -hmm. out of the body, you know, and flying around the cosmos as spiritual beings and then memory of being galactic cosmic beings that do have, um, 
dominion over gravitational forces, whether it's through yeah. a ship or through our own body. You know, you hear about the greys or the ETs, how they can just walk through walls and, you know, like ascend to earth, like they're sort of flying, like a Superman thing. I yeah. mean, it, it all sounds like fantasy, but when you understand physics, like they understand physics, and then you understand consciousness and how that connects to physics, you, you got it down, right? We We just don't have that down yet. But with your you know, activation. I, I just thought <laughs> practice makes perfect. Keep going, girl. Like just I keep know. doing it. Keep doing it. You'll I get do. there. You'll get I there. <laughs> I keep going. I'm like, I know I can do this. Like there are parts of you that remember being able to do these things. Right. Yeah. And it's just a matter of bringing that into the human earth experience. But my team, you know, they, they always, they often talk about us being expansion catalysts. That's what they call us. Expansion um, catalysts. Got to write that one down. That's just fabulous. Yeah. Love that. I love, I love That's the, the name of my you... YouTube channel. Oh, expansion <laughs> catalyst. Yeah. It's oh. like, don't go. I mean, I'm, I'm working on rebooting that YouTube channel. It was kind of an exercise and getting over a fear of public speaking, but um, there's some good information on there, but yeah, um, it, it is an act of, of expanding um, and catalyzing the energy and um, the stuck energies, transmuting them that they're trying to bring in um, that can have almost an instantaneous, you know, effect. So definitely going to keep trying it. But we do that, you know, through our through our own consciousness anyway. Wow. Right. So yeah. that is something that we do. And I definitely have been radiating out, you know, since I've been here and there are a lot of light workers. I can feel when the light quotient goes up in, you know, the state that I'm in, so to speak mm -hmm. and around. Um, I do, as I said, collective tap in as well. And so there have been a lot of people that have moved here um, and a lot of people who are coming into their awakening. So the light question is definitely raising um, in the area that I'm in, which is quite lovely. Um, and I kind of have been opting out of hurricanes <laughs> for this area. Yeah. <laughs> we can opt out of things. Can, yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. yeah My exactly. star beings actually told me that. Yeah. We can communicate. Mm -hmm with guy and the weather and even if the weather is god now i'm seeing a tornado as i close my eyes i should open my eyes um yeah we can communicate even if the weather is being you know controlled by nefarious forces or or ai forces we can still yep mm -hmm. communicate and, and work with it on a deliberate creation basis you know create create the reality that you want yeah we we feel so victimized to the weather but we're not really it's all a part of the expansion of consciousness some of it comes from us too right so yeah um you know yeah. we're a co-creation all yeah. the way it's just a lot of people don't realize that that fire can yes be a natural aspect of Gaia's um you know seasonal evolution but also can be magnified by anger and rage and all of those types of feelings that absolutely. humans are having right absolutely and this you know, sorrow and there's all different kinds of things that create help to magnify these, these weather patterns that we're seeing. Um, and Gaia is in transition, right? So uh, I, you know, my team told me long ago that, you know, she is, she's growing and evolving and changing just like we do. And this is, this is 
a cycle that we haven't necessarily seen, but it's also because we're in such transition. So the true co-creation is that we are completely blended. We just have that illusion of being separate. So as we experience really heightened emotions um, as a, individuals within the collective, especially when it's done simultaneously, then that does affect the weather patterns and the magnitude of, of what comes in. They've shown me this for, for I don't even know, so long. Um, yes, we, we have the ability to do a lot of interesting things. I've been a wind spirit in the human earth experience many, 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 like pre-human, uh, pre-this humanoid you know, us, because <laughs> we've had multiple humanoid existences on earth before ours. But yeah, so I've, I do have connection with them. But I mean, it's like, they're not. Um, it's like how most people view ants, they don't even recognize that they're there when they walk by them. They see us as tiny little white lights. And they're like, what, those? We're affecting those? I mean, when they're having what we would consider um, really intense weather, like tornadoes and uh, hurricanes, for them, they're just up there having like a party. I mean, that's what it feels like. They don't know that they're affecting us. It's like the dimensional expressions barely touch, right? Um, though they're happening in the same space. So yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot of beauty that's happening right now though you know so we can talk about whether you guys feel your feelings let them move through you <laughs> you know <laughs> dive deep into those feelings do the inner work we can help the planet with her with her growing pains you know by by being responsible with our own human experience the question i had posed before uh, at the beginning of this and um during this was you know how do we transmute the fear and I think that what you've mm. explained to us is like when you're talking about the dragon is I think to recognize that fear even if it's fear that we've created through our human experience is not who we are and to take the personal out of it it's like to take it away from this being who I am like stop the identity with the fear and, um, and then you have a, a you can sort of take it out of you and look at it and, um, you know, when you look at it through loving eyes, then you have the ability to dissolve it, whether it's collective fear, like through the hurricane season, all the fear of trauma, of destruction and mm -hmm. death, or the fear that you're carrying on your DNA lineage, your family lineage, or the fear that has come up through the experiences that you've had, or I think most fear is collective fear, actually, we just marinate in fear in this third dimension. But uh, yeah, to look at it as a as an aspect that is not who you intrinsically are, uh, look at it through the eyes of love. Yeah. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. And I feel like when, okay, so when we're tapping into what we consider lower vibrating emotions, the stories we put on ourselves, the stories that we, I mean, this is what a lot of people refer to as programming, starting a new program is we create a belief based in that moment that is just an experience, right? We create belief, one or more beliefs. Then we tell ourselves stories that solidify those beliefs within our reality, which then creates conscious and unconscious patterning based on our behavior. Um, and then it begins to cycle itself in a loop, right? We've all experienced this. So what I find is if we can go into neutral observation, when 
contrast experiences come up, fear comes up. If we can go, and this is one of the things that um, I actually was taught through that huge, I mean, upwelling of fear that I that I experienced whenever um, the second contact experience happened, um, which this poor being, this poor being was nothing to be afraid of, right? Just let me just, because I don't think I said that. They had the shape that we call gray, but they were doing nothing wrong because I called in the angels and they had a conversation. Nothing, <laughs> like it was not, it was nothing that was there to harm me. Um, it was just, I didn't know what to do with all of the fear. So I called in the angels, but yeah, that's just another, you know, I feel like I should probably say something about them, you know, that they did nothing wrong. They were simply observing me. But, um, and part of the, the catalytic, you know, catalytic process, right? Um, but yeah, when we can go into that neutral observation and, and if I can catch myself, if I'm in the upwelling of emotion, right? If you can catch yourself and just become aware, allow yourself to feel whatever's, whatever is happening because there's purpose in it. It's telling us about something within ourselves, right? Allow yourself to feel it and let it move through you. It's a similar feeling to like when you've cried and cried and cried and cried and cried, eventually the crying stops. There's no more tears, the emotion, the emotion settles. I find first when we start diving into our emotions, especially those big intense ones like fear and anxiety and things like this, if we, if we well, anxiety is kind of a byproduct, but um, you know, if we're looking at the fear, it's not just that one moment that that fear is from either for most people. Most people don't feel things all the way. So it's like this stacking up, upwelling of emotion that comes out. It's the same thing as you're frustrated, you're frustrated, you're frustrated, you're frustrated. You know, 10 things happen in a day, but the last one, you're like a volcano and a tornado and you're spewing, you know, everywhere. You've lost it completely, right? It's because we don't say, okay, I'm frustrated. Why am I frustrated? What, what is my, you know, what is, what am I trying to tell myself for with this frustration? You know, it's that these emotions are designed to act as a, like a flag to go, oh, this is an inner moment. I need to go within and check out why this, there's this, you know, enormous upwelling of emotion with this. Um, I always say triggers are not about the other people. They're about us, right? Like if we have a trigger, it's about us, right? And it's the same with fear. Fear, it's also, you know, especially with fear because we're clearing so much of it, this, the activated starseeds, those that are awakened um, and walk-ins and hybrids. Um, it is this, like this umbrella that has been created, umbrella of energy that's been created by humanity for a really long time. Plus, plus we have outside um, energetics, we'll just say, that are playing the role with us of the control construct, right? Because we have the control, control construct from within the human experience, but also we have um, beings who are not in human form necessarily, but they're still playing in the control construct with humanity. These were very, we wanted those experiences, right? To have the expressions that we've had as humans. So we have all of that pumping into this big fear blanket, this big fear umbrella. So when we have fear and we're here to clear all of these energetics that are no longer serving us as individuals, much less the collective as a whole, when we tap in, we're going to be clearing from this, you know, 
puddle, this over this well that goes up instead of down or whatever, right? However you want to visualize it. So that neutral observation is even more important in that moment. And that is one thing that I, I was really reminded of during that time period is, you know, letting go of the stories. Like I said, I was coming out of a dark night of the soul of a, you know, um, intentional slumbering, so to speak, of many aspects of myself, like a spiritual hibernation, self-imposed, right? So I had a lot of that, that, uh, junk energetic junk right um that all had purpose right when it was there but it was time now at this point it was just you know things that it's time for me to move beyond right and stepping learning how to step into neutral observation means you have to be aware of your external reality and you become aware that your internal reality is creating that external reality right so there's this accountability that happens with yourself Right. And then from there, you can go into neutral observation, which means I have a choice. And it's so, so freeing because if you created it, you can shift the energetics of it like that. And I've watched things fizzle out when I now I'm not saying I am 100% at, you know, consciously creating my reality yet. I'm playing in it. I am exploring it. I'm learning how it works and understanding. Um, and there are aspects I'm really, really good at and others that I'm still a little shaky with, right? So, I mean, that's just part of the human experience, at least right now for me. But it's, um, you know, the fear is, it's a collective construct. Do we want to play in it or don't we? Yeah. Are we clearing for the collective? If someone tells me in my team that I'm clearing for the collective, I'm all in. So they're like, oh, you're clearing for the collective. And I'm like, okay, let's do it. Let's dive in. You know, I'm like, I'm like let's get the protective gear on. We're going, you know, sorry. I like to roller skate and I'm not very good at it. So protective gears, let me just explain where that comes. Right. I love this. I love this also neutral observation, neutral observation. Yeah. Neutral mm-hmm. observation. It's, Look, I do it all the time when my stuff arises. I've become a bit of an expert at it. Sometimes it doesn't happen instantly, but it always happens because mm-hmm. I practiced it. When you practice something, you get good at it, right? Because mm-hmm. what we've practiced is when emotion arises, we go, uh, we do the blame game. Oh, this is happening. So I feel that you've pissed me off. Um, I don't like the way you talk to me, you know, and we just project it out onto the world and say, this is happening to me. But when you get into that neutral observation, And then you go, okay, what's happening inside me? And then look at it from that neutral place and not blaming yourself or blaming the other. Yeah, that is just, that's where transformation is. Yeah, you've you've explained it so beautifully, so beautifully. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You had a lot of practice on Clubhouse talking about these things. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because it's so so much practice. So as I as I run in the consciousness circles and you know like the wish alliance and do the conferences and 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 speak to the people it doesn't matter how awakened or who you are as galactic beings or channels we're all still dealing with the construct of fear you know and our own fears and our own negative emotions and um and it arises through relationship, you know, we're all blaming each other and uh, not talking to this person and upset with that person. It's just such a party game here on earth. That's the game we're playing here on earth. So that radical responsibility, that's my words. What did you call it? You called it accountability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just. So- yeah, 
I feel like it's just like you're holding yourself accountable, not in the like parental kind of way, right? But it's like, oh, I see how I created this, right? right. It's not in a judgment way um, where it's like, oh, you've done this. You're such a bad person. And now we're going to, you know, punish ourselves for forever, right? right. Um, it's, it's, oh, I observe, okay, I observe what my manifestations, right? Mental, emotional, physical, action, choice, whatever, all of it, intention, focus, thoughts, you know, emotion, all of that. I see how I have manifested this. Right. And now- I get to choose, mm-hmm. right? I get to choose where I want to place my time, attention, thought, energy, focus, emotion, you know, all of that, right? And it's it's a gear shift. Now, I would say in most of my life, I'm really good at it. There are aspects where I'm like, I still have that, you know, that question mark, right? Like, how is this working? You know, it's more of like a squiggly question mark, you know, that'll eventually be that exclamation point of I got it, right? Right now, it's kind of like, you know, um, but, you know, I think that's, that's the beauty of the human experience. Right. And once I, I move through this, there'll be something else. Right. That's how it, that's how it works. This is, this is a journey, you know, a beautiful, it amazing. It's a journey. It's a journey. Intense mm-hmm. journey. Intense, intense journey. <laughs> At least it's right now it's intense. <laughs> I, I want to yeah. talk your experiences because you said there's been so many experiences. You know, I've been up on ships. Mm-hmm. I caught that one. I'm thinking, ooh, I want to hear about <laughs> being up on ships. So let's mm-hmm. go into that. Like, what, who, whose ships? What did they look like? What did you experience? Tell us. I don't know how many years. I'm not super adept with 3D time. I came in with a very 5D blueprint this life. <laughs> Hence the whole like spiritual hibernation, learning 3D a little bit more. Um, but I. I have always been a prolific dreamer and remembering every aspect of multiple, multiple, multiple dreams. Um, And there was a period where my dreams just were absent. There was nothing. And I was like, what is happening? And at first, you know, I, I am very adventurous with my spirituality, with adjusting my own energetic technology. You know, I play around in my stuff. Right. And I've learned over the years how to do certain things and I try new things. And if something, you know, is out of whack, I just know that I have an entire team that can help me, you know, bring it back into balance in two seconds flat. Right. So I, I do adventurous things and I had done some energetic technology adjustments that were new. And I thought, oh, maybe I turned my dreaming off somehow. Like, you know, maybe because sometimes I would dream in, you know, what I consider the lower fourth dimensional planes of, you know, psyche play, but that stopped too. So there was none of that. And I was like, okay, so something's going on. And at first I thought, oh, I broke myself. Let me see if I can get some help, you know, because <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I looked at my, and I was like, I don't see anything that's, you know, missing or out of place. And so I reached for my family and they're like, no, you're fine. And I'm like, well, what is going on with my dreams? So it was very disconcerting. You can imagine having such amazing like memory of all these aspects within each dream, many, many dreams, traveling, all of those things, right? Just gone. It was like, there was a blank slate, not even imprint that I'd been doing anything, nothing. And so one night in frustration, <laughs> as my head was hitting the pillow, my declaration was, I want to know what the F I'm doing during dreams time tonight. (laughs) And I woke up as soon as I went to sleep, I woke up on a Pleiadian ship, a mothership as a Pleiadian, but I wasn't in control. 
I was hanging out within her consciousness. She was driving the car, essentially. And I was kind of hanging out going, does she know I'm here? And she was like, of course I know you're here. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And then I was like, because when she said, of course I know you're here, I was like, oh, okay. And she, in her mind, as she's working with Pleiadian technology, which is really cool, um, she just shows me, like she uses her third eye vision, so to speak, right? That's how it would be translated here. And she just shows me myself sleeping in bed. And she's like, of course I know you're here. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so I'm just asking her questions, right? Like, what are you doing? You know, because this is really cool. And I'm like, can you take me on a spin? And the first time she didn't, because she was like, I'm in the middle of working. This is important work. No, I'm not taking you on a tour kind of thing, you know? And I was like, okay, maybe that was, maybe that was a little like, oh, I'm here now show me around, you know? Um, and she's, you know, basically pulling energetic looks like energy from thin air, um, you know, and adjusting and it looks very scientific, right? So the first that was my first experience with her and she's looking at this console that she's creating um, kind of in her mind right in front of her. I mean, it's just very interesting. And there's this other thing that's just appearing in midair and adjusting itself as she's like mentally tapping it. And I mean, a lot of stuff was happening in that first one that I kept, I was very entertained, right? And then I think two nights later, I went to sleep and bam, I was on the ship again. And I was like, okay, and I'm in her consciousness. And she was completing her work. So she did give me a spin around the ship. And it looked, I mean, it looks the same as every Palladian ship, right? The walls emanate white. It feels, you can tell you're on a Palladian ship by how it feels, first of all. I mean, it feels like every Palladian you've ever felt channel through a person, right? Um, and the walls themselves are emanating. The ship has sort of a sentient consciousness to it. Um, and she's just taking me around this mothership. And we barely went in this very small area. And it was a big length of, like, you know, a football field or two. But what she showed me by expanding her vision out is that Pleiadian motherships are some planets, they would be as big as a planet, like the smaller ones, right? So they're enormous. They're like a world inside of themselves. And there were many different types of beings on, on the ship with them. They were all here to, and they're still here. If you look out, you guys just look out using your first eye, I like to say, we all call it, call it third, eye, third eye, but just look out through the dimensions around the earth. It's like a parking lot right now. <laughs> and they're one of them, they're at the top. So if you look at earth and like you have the top of the, there's a hair, but if you have, <laughs> my hair's coming out. But if you have the top of the planet, the Pleiadian mothership is like this on the planet earth. I mean, they're huge. They're like, kind of um, rounded, but wider in the center and a little bit tapered on the ends. They're enormous. Um, and I've been going up there ever since. I've actually been on two, two different ships um, as a Pleiadian, like waking up in a Pleiadian. So I have two parallel aspects that are Pleiadian. The first one has blonde, like almost white hair. Um, and the second one has a darker, darker hair color. But I mean, they just look like we look like them really a lot and then I've been up on them just out of curiosity I also go to them often 
Um, I have a pleading counsel that I speak with. Those of you that are hearing me say this and you haven't awoken to that, you might awaken just hearing me talking about it, they're saying. So a lot of us starseeds have multiple counsels for our parallel aspects that um, we're kind of a, um, a co-creation, so to speak. She, she showed me how my human experience was co-created amongst many parallel aspects of my soul and how they intentionally and consciously decided to create the soul aspect um, in a very conscious way that became me. Um, that was a very interesting one because she was showing me the memory of creating it. And then she showed me how it worked in, in a very multidimensional way. Um, this is where people talk about fractalization. That's not quite the right word, um, but it's the closest one I've been able to find to describe what it is. So we truly create ourselves as a co-creation, some of us. I don't know if everyone does. I know that's how I was created, at least for her. Um, and with all of this, we have councils that we communicate. A lot of people will exit out during sleep to go communicate, like go travel, communicate with your councils. Um, different councils will call you for different things. I'm an ambassador, so I go to conclave sometimes, and I have multiple aspects of my soul are part of the, um, what we would, I mean, there's so many different human names for this. We'll just call it the confederation or the, um, there's so many names and so many names people don't like, so I don't want to really label it, um, but there is, you know, sort of a, much to our chagrin, another kind of, we collectively govern and decide things together kind of, kind of situation, right? Yeah, um, the title that I've had is the Galactic Federation of Worlds, is what they've said to me. Yeah, there's yeah. worlds, there's light, there's, you know, we all say, I usually say Galactic Federation of Light, mm -hmm. um, but it's all part of a larger uh, like confederation that's uh, universal, right? Yeah. And I mean, it's a lot of people, a lot of starseeds get that haven't quite awakened to that aspect of themselves because I think most of us probably have some someone in in you know whatever the we want to call these governing bodies. But, oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. They get but, upset. You know, they're like, we their have more politics. Yeah, <laughs> their governance the is so different to what we understand mm -hmm. as governance here on Earth. You know, when we look at our governance yeah. and our governing bodies and our councils, it's so different. It's such a different because, you know, when we use those words governance and, yeah. It, it, I don't know what another word to use. To I know. Use, yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I know mm -hmm. what you mean. But um, listening to you talk about how you designed your human life you know, soul consciousness from your galactic perspective. I've heard that many times on the show, but I've also heard people, you know, when they've had near death experiences say that you can design it from your spiritual perspective. And I love, I love that, that we've got this option that we can actually be incarnate in a form and then decide to take a part of our consciousness and design a human form and come into the human experience from that mm -hmm from that you know other life as opposed to mm -hmm. the spiritual life so yeah we can mix it up it's just amazing I've heard you know people that I've had on the show that are very connected to the greys 
and um, they've been in, in a grey form and then they've volunteered to be here on earth and they've, um, one woman said that as she was looking at the earth experience, you know, trauma, depression, death, you know, all the sort of human experiences from her galactic perspective, she didn't really understand it. So she's stacking it on. Yeah, I can cope with that. I can cope with that. It's like oh, a smorgasbord yeah. and putting all this stuff on your plate. And her grey guide had said to her, you got a lot on your plate there. You know, I'm using metaphor, but you sure you can, yeah. you, you're going to take on that. And from her galactic perspective, she's like, yeah, easy. And then of course she comes into the human form. And she's like, what was I thinking? <laughs> anyway, I thought that was And funny. I think a lot of us do, do that to a degree. Yeah. I mean, I remember choosing my, my blueprint for, for this life before I came in and they were like, are you sure about this period of my life that, I'm I'm coming out of right now right so yeah are you sure you want to yeah I'll just choose this this and this it'll be fine you know but we we have been so many different expressions I like to say source expressions instead of lives per se because not everything is what we identify as life right but it is still very sentient very conscious and we are expressing in it right um and you know often more than we are you know in some ways more sedate more conscious than we are in some ways but um yeah i i remember choosing that i remember all of the the blueprints and you know my counsels will will come to me with things like i'll pop into a ship and i'll be sitting with my friends you know that are essentially my counsel my plead one of my pleading counsels and they'll be like, we opened this door for you and this door for you and this door, what happened? And I'll be like, <laughs> I remember the last time that happened, I was like, okay, first of all, it's not as easy as it looks. Okay. I know I make it look easy, but it's not, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like sitting there and I'm like, you know, cause what happens, they don't, they don't know, even Pleiadians who are very similar to us in a lot of ways. Um, if they've never been human within the human experience, they don't necessarily know, even if they've been guides and whatever. So I'm like, you know, when we have something that happens, it's all encompassing sometimes. Like sometimes you just don't get to that neutral observation mode, at least right now in this period, right? You know, and so I'm like, so this happened and then this happened and then I was just in it, you know, and you can't see beyond it. And they're like, oh, and I think what's awesome about a lot of us who do that is that we're, we're helping them help us, right? And then they tell others. And so it's this thing because they're in unity, they're in, you know, unity consciousness, it ripples out from us. So when we're saying, hey, this happens in the human experience and what would be assist a huge assistance is if you would do this, this and this, or, you know, like ring that bell, like you've never, you know, you've never rang it before, you know, hit the gong so hard that it falls off the, you know, the hooks or whatever, right? And uh, let me know this door is open. Um, and, you know, they get so serious that that particular council does not find my humor very funny. They just look at me like, okay. You know, but but some of them actually have a really funny funny sense of humor. It depends on which council I'm talking to. But you know, that particular council is all business and no play. They're like, well, no, we got to get this right, and we got to do it, and we're gonna do. You know, they're very like the type A's of of you know the Pleiadians, right? Even though they don't really have that, but um, they're just like, no, we're focused. We're getting the job done. There's no time for dilly dallying. Why didn't you follow this? What's going on? Da -da 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 -da. And I'm over here going, man you guys really need to have a, have a run at the human experience. <laughs> you know, like you need to have a run at it. Um, <laughs> even when I, when I tell my counsels, often when I meet new beings or connect with different other people's beings, 
um, in session and things like that, I will tell them you can use my my uh, humor library and just <laughs> scan the humor library and then use it with your people. It makes things a lot easier and they will. You'll feel them just through your, you know, your, your energetic lexicon, you know, going through that. But I tell them that about the oh. language library too. I do that in sessions all the, the language time. library and the humor library. Mm-hmm. I've never heard that before, the humor library. I think, uh, I think, um, yeah, mm-hmm. a lot of humans could use a bigger humor, humor library. <laughs> <laughs> we take on because when you talk to spirit you know it's, it's so different talking to spirit as, as opposed to talking to beings because then they have their agenda and their I don't know I'm looking for words their operation modi the way they operate and yeah some mm-hmm. are not you know some don't do humor and some but spirit is always joyous and and mm-hmm. I find my mob are laughing at me so often like oh like, yeah what are you laughing at laughing at my you know, my foibles, what I do. It's like, I feel like I'm being laughed at. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it's more from a spiritual perspective than a galactic perspective. That's interesting. I've never thought about and it like you've been talking some about. Some Pleiadians have really library. great sense of humor. Like my Arcturians, the Arcturians that I am a parallel aspect of, they have a wonderful sense of humor. And I've okay. met other people's Arcturian Arcturians within their soul team and they are just super dry right it's just uh-huh. like it depends depends I think on who and how and also what they're reflecting back to you because often a lot of the um the star races will reflect your own stuff back to you right so that it's almost like they borrow aspects of your energetic persona and reflect it back to you um because it's that that reminding us that we are all in unity also but it does ease connection and communication right um you find that a lot with people that have contact experiences and if they go into fear oftentimes the being will go into force right um and so it's like and when they start to calm down then the being goes into a more calm state as well depending on what race it is right absolutely but um you find that reflection point yeah, I've talked about this a lot with abductees and we do this with animals. You know, you you want to capture mm-hmm. an animal because you want to help it or heal it or tag it or whatever. And then that animal goes into terror and fear and then humans go into force, like we pin it down. And yeah, and sometimes that happens with so-called abduction, even though the consciousness in the human being is a part of the consciousness that's abducting them, they're still in human human experience and so they're in terror and fear and the same Mm -hmm. person it's donna lynn that was talking about piling the experiences on a plate said you know she wrote a book called from fear to love because that was her experience that when she was in fear Mm -hmm. they would kind of control her and pin her Mm -hmm. down and stop her from moving and then when she came out Mm -hmm. of that fear and moved into love you know she was released and she was like chatting to them and walking around the ship and getting a a a tour a tour around the ship and yeah completely Mm -hmm. different experience when she had a handle on her own fear her her own human expression but getting back to the ships did you get a tour around (laughs) the ships I just oh yeah I've seen yeah I mean we didn't even I've seen the ships and I'm fascinated and that experience that you talked about about having no dreams I had that too and I was so frustrated like I had no memory of what I was doing at night like like you say I didn't even have the you know the psychological play that we usually come in like the crazy sort of psychological play dreams that we remember most of the time I had none of that and then I was having a discussion with Michael Tamora and he said often the frequency that you're in at night whether you're on a ship or whether you're in another dimension 
is so different to your human frequency that your mind just can't grab it and remember it. And, and so it's like a blank. And that's why a lot of people don't remember their dreams as well. They're just in a totally different place and frequency that the human mind's not acclimated to. So it can't access it. memories. Yeah, that's so interesting that you talked about that. I found what I did was I said, okay, I'm okay if there are things that are not applicable, kind of boring that I'm doing in my other parallel aspects, right? If that's happening, because I... I began to understand through communicating with my parallel aspects that were played in while I'm in their consciousness that, um, you know, I'm, I'm basically going, returning to, to not source source, right. But returning to my other parallel aspects, um, during dreams time and doing a bunch of different things, right. So as different as they are, they're all doing different things. And so it's like I'm popping in for the human experience during the day and then popping part of my consciousness out into various places at night, right? And so um, I was like, okay, so if it's boring, it wouldn't be interesting to me. I don't want to know. That's fine. I'm okay with that. But I want to know the cool stuff that my human mind would be like, ooh, how can I integrate this into my life, you know, and help others? How can I do this for myself? And, you know, the things that are fun, you know, the things that are whatever, they know I love fun. And so I'm like, you know, the things that are deep and meaningful and all of those, I want to remember. And I may not remember all of it per se, but I have more of a memory of what's going on. And there are some dimensional presences that just really like even trying to describe the aurorans in English for in a linear way that we can understand it has been proving interesting and I can usually get most of my experiences out almost immediately um and that one is is something that I'm I'm going to take a little more time with because there's so many layers to it that aren't really linear right and I'm not even sure that they're within the dimensional expressions at all um so it's very you know there's a lot more to play around with and and remember and also experience so I think when it comes to the other things I just I had this moment of okay high self okay team okay you know me this is what I want and so now I'll wake up and I'll be like okay I was in this really cool dimensional plane of existence that looks like a golden orange sunset. And I was doing something really important. I don't remember exactly what it is, but I've got the imprint of it, you know, and it's something that's really different than what our brains would normally, would normally um, accept, but it feels good. I feel like I'm integrating and almost downloading what the meaning is. I'm good. I'm good. You know, or I'm on a ship or, you know, I'm talking to, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a conclave or whatever. And sometimes it's just so many of those, right. Um, and sometimes it's, you know, I have the impression that I'm sitting on a world that looks like it's very fifth dimensional and I'm just resting. Right. So I think we're just barely scratching the surface of how our multidimensionality really is and what we do when we're not in our waking conscious mind, much less what we do while we are, you know? So it's like, I think we have a lot to learn. And just when you think you know something. I know. <laughs> just when you think you know a couple of things, you go, oh my God, I know nothing. I know nothing. I know. Yeah. It's, I know. it's this beautiful flower, right? 
and it looks like it's this, you know, it's all you can see. And you're like, this is the most amazing flower. And then all of a sudden you aspects of your consciousness awaken, more of your soul light comes into your human experience. It begins to expand through other experiences. And then that flower is suddenly like, oh, this is like a field of grass with a bunch of flowers in it. And then the next thing, you know, oh, okay, this is like the front yard of you know, whatever, a mansion and there's trees and there's all the, that's how it is. Right. It's just the puzzle pieces Mm -hmm. just expand and expand and expand. I just, so, so I love it. (laughs) I I want to talk because I was talking to Paul and Cyan last week about the Zetas and we're really exploring their mind that way they think. Um, And the thing that fascinates me is um, you know, coming into this world as, as as a healer, you know, having the experience of watching my mum get sick and die, and then that activating my curiosity about how we heal, both physically and mentally. I'd love to know if you've explored that with the Palladians. Like, did you see? Because the question was, what else do they do on the ships? And when I asked that question, I got an answer. You know, well, like you do in any, they live, they eat, mm-hmm. they you know have relationships, they have sex. You know, like you guys do. And I thought. Well, okay. Well, how do you heal? Like, how do they heal? Did, did they show you that? Do they get, um, do they physically get injured? I suppose they would they have physical bodies. So my impression of it is they live in a state of self-healing. Now, if they want like the upgrades, activations, things like that, they consciously choose those for themselves. It doesn't mean that they won't use, you know, say some of the Arcturian technology that is, you know, the highest benevolent energetic technology for healing and all kinds of things, science and different things like that as well. In fact, I found most of the time when I'm communicating with my team about tech and healing has an energetic tech aspect to it, if it's an external healing. But what they're saying right now, um, I'm tapping into that particular parallel. And she's just saying, she's showing me that, you know, she doesn't often get injured. She doesn't live in a state of distortion um, or adopt distortions in. Um, she's actually talking more about us. Um, she's saying, you know, she's reminding me of, thing, of things that I've come into understanding over the years with the energy healing that I do. And I do this a lot in the hypnosis sessions as well. We deal with a lot of the healing teams and, you know, it's become increasingly clear that even for us to have dis-ease, to have illness, we actually have to have a co-creation for that to happen. And there will be a being within our field that is enabling us to have that experience. Um, they look a lot, I mean, I, I think I call them passengers, but they, they look a lot like um, the way I perceive them is they're kind of stretched along the spine in the upper space. And they have kind of like octopus tendrils that go different places depending on where it is um and the high self won't let it be completely removed if that's part of your journey so um if you've chosen this for yourself right um but they don't do that they don't do that so injuries yes healing is almost immediate it depends on the dimensional expression of the pleiadian i think you would because they play in all the dimensions like we do including earth with pleiadian star seeds right um yeah she's right now they're in the 
fifth and sixth dimensional frequency, um, they're kind of straddling um, aspects of both, and they're assisting Gaia with her energetics. Um, but, you know, I, I just, she said, we have what you would call med labs or something like that. She's using my, my language um, library. And it's funny because I was mentioning Star Trek earlier and she's using something from that, I think. But she said they have wellness, wellness care facilities um, on the ship and different things like that. Things happen sometimes. Yeah. Med, med, med based technology. That's exactly what Paul and Cyan were saying last week, that they, they have these um, home quarters on the ships that is like a pod. It's like your bedroom, but it's a home quarter. Obviously, they need a lot less stuff than humans do. We've got so much stuff. I've got so much stuff. Yeah. Anyway, they don't have any stuff. <laughs> and then the frequency of the pod is set to the homeostasis of the optimal health of the physical body that they're wearing. And so when they enter the pod, it just acclimates. It just like combs out any distortion if they've been out, you know, cruising around the cosmos and their energetic structure has become distorted, which is what we call dis-ease, less ease mm -hmm. in the homeostasis of the body. And I'm, I'm thinking that what you're talking about is something exactly like that. Was that the grace or was that? That was the grace. Race? That was the yeah, grace. Okay. Yeah. So I was just tapping in. Sorry. I, I probably looked a little strange. Um, and that was a deep tap in where she was showing me some stuff. So she was just, as you were talking about that, and I was hearing what you're saying, she was showing me that um, a lot of the technology we used um, in what we would call the Atlantis Lemuria time period was based on Pleiadian technology. So a lot of the healing tech that we had in the golden, golden years, so to speak, um, you know, was around sound and light and frequency and things like that. She said, that's Pleiadian technology. Um, but there's also others that it's, she shows me that it kind of merged as more, um, as different races contributed, right? Um, so the technology was expanded a bit. Um, <clears throat> she's really, she's really just showing me that they can, they can hold the intention to heal and it heals, right? Um, that unless there's something that you're expressing through with it, you don't need it really. It's not, yeah. it's not like us where we're like, I'm injured and I'm going to yeah. be injured for a year or mm -hmm. a week and a half or two months or, you know, my whole life or mm -hmm. things like that. Right. She's saying that's a chosen expression for them, like if they want something like that. So, um, if, but if they're just—they're always in perfect form. It's yeah. kind of what the feeling is. It's a know? different, yeah. It's a different, totally different expression of source, as you called it before, source expression, mm -hmm. where disease and healing is not really a big part of their experience. It's part of our experience as humans. Mm -hmm. So, how do they help us, like? How do the Palladians help us with healing? And how do the Arcturians help us with healing? Um, if we call on that energy, that frequency, that consciousness, how do mm. they help us? And, and do they help us all the way or do they make us take responsibility? Because um, that was a discussion I had with the Zetas, with the Paul and the Zetas uh, and Cyan, and, um, you know, that they always contact the higher self first and they only heal if the higher self agrees. Mm. Yeah, the high from in my experience is I've been doing, you know, multidimensional energy healing for a long time. And I've also 
I do a lot of healing within the hypnosis that I do. And I work with the healing teams. I have my own healing team, which is pretty, I mean, I have a lot of people, a lot of different, I call everybody people, just FYI. I have a lot of beings on my healing team, but um, I find some people's healing teams are smaller, some are more advanced than others. And I think that just depends on what you've chosen when you come in. Um, it doesn't make make my team better. It's just, I find for, for the work that I've come to do, I have a very expansive team, right? Um, and I had a group of Arcturians that came in many years ago that were like, we're gonna assist you. And we are essentially like, you know, we have the best surgeons in the world. They're like the best surgeons in the galaxy kind of thing, right? So they're like, you know, we are not galaxy, probably the universe. They're they're like, Ahem, galaxy. And I'm like, yeah. So they're, they're very adept at what they do. And we are entering a period of time um, during this moment of humanity's evolution where we can choose our frequencies, right? We can choose our beliefs. We can choose all of this. We've always had the ability, but now because of the expansion in consciousness and the raising of vibrations by all of these beautiful frequencies that we're now like grounding into the human earth experience, we have the ability to have immediate choice on most things. Now, if you as your high self came in to experience something because it's a part of your soul's evolution um, of experience, so to speak, then I've found that you may not be able to take it fully away, but there are things that you can, so to speak, you know, not necessarily barter for, but negotiate. I found that that high selves are generally pretty reasonable about some things. So yes, okay. So maybe, you know, you have an autoimmune disease, and when I ask permission to remove the being, you know, that, that is doing it, if I receive a no, I'm like, that's helping you co-create that essentially. I, if I receive a no, then I'm like, okay, well, can we, you know, is it necessary for them to always be in the hospital? No. Okay. So what are they getting from this? They're, you know, learning how to receive support and love and care and nurturing in a way that they've never experienced before. Okay. So does this mean that we can lessen the autoimmune responses and the intensity of them um, while still giving that same support and while them still being able to receive that same support and nurturing. Um, yes, okay, so then I work in increments, right? And I just work my way up to what is possible that, that can, you know, help alleviate some of the intensity of whatever it is, right? So, and sometimes you'll get a, you'll get a no, but it doesn't hurt to ask, right? And that's the thing. So with the different, different healing teams, I mean, to me, I don't really, I'm not like, you know, only Pleiadians do this, only Arcturians do this. And I, I'm sure there are a lot of people that do. I experience the beings as, um, understanding themselves in a oneness field. So while you may have an Arcturian, you know, standing in the back while a group of little beings come up and do an energetic technology adjustment, and you may have something like that, you, when you call in the healing team, um, in specific, it may have like 10 different kinds of beings in there, 10 different frequency signature, signatures, right? And it could be angelic, it could be, you know, elemental, it could be, you know, starving, it could be, and of course the high self's always involved, right? So when it comes to Arcturians, what I know about them is they're very precise. They understand our energetic technology and everything about us almost like down to the um, subatomic and beyond level. And they're very efficient. 
Um, and everything is always done in a very streamlined and seamless way um, with full harmonization and balance, right? And they're very um, technical when they're doing things, right? It's like, I don't want to, um, they can they can multitask like nobody's business. Like, I don't want to interrupt them, but I definitely keep asking them questions, right? And they're like, yes, yes, it's done, it's done, it's done, you know? And I've, I'll, I will often when I'm working with someone, their healing team will come in and do the work, but I will often have my Arcturians like in the background, I'll be like, can you guys check the work please? You know, because I know they're really adept at it. Um, this particular group works from beyond like a, like a physical expression, so to speak, right? So they, they see all the angles, right? Um, when they're working on, on it. And, you know, Arcturians, we, most of the universe uses Arcturian tech for so many different things because their their technology, their energetic, and it's not the same as what we think of with technology for most dimensional expressions, right? But it is so benevolent. It's like 100% unity consciousness, but they're also careful. They've told me they're also really careful about how they delve out. They have tech from, it's like they've maintained um, tech from their evolution with it and it is um, it's almost as if they've created the perfect whatever it is right and then as they evolved it expanded and, and shifted and changed and they're showing me even right now they're like when a civilization comes into a readiness to receive this technology and understands their own responsibility and accountability they receive the tech that is either unable to be used in a in a you know destructive way, and or um, the tech that is appropriate for their uh, their current degree of consciousness, consciousness expansion, right? So they're not handing nuclear weapons to toddlers, you know what I mean? That sort of thing. Yeah. And there are other races who have met well who have given us tech at in various humanoid expressions on earth you know that happened with atlantis that's why a lot of us have these memories um and we are here to choose differently i believe right yeah than what we did at the end of that definitely yeah another choice point absolutely yes oh this conversation i just looked at the time we've been going for like an hour and 40 minutes i'm like whoa it's gone so quickly i know (laughs) soul sister you you work like i do too i just ask a lot of questions like i do when i'm talking to people i just ask all the guides like what what are they learning what do they need to know and um and it's interesting some people well only people that reach out to you that don't really want to pay you and see you as a this has happened to me um like friends that are sick and stuff and you give them what you've been given uh you know when it take comes to taking personal responsibility for your own healing and they completely reject it because they don't want to take that personal responsibility like this is the lesson that you're choosing from this experience like you said some people Mm -hmm. are choosing to have an experience of being looked after and um, being cared for by their family and their maybe their illness is galvanizing their family and bringing them together like I spoke to a girlfriend the other day it said her cousin died and her two sisters were fighting and hating each other and when the cousin died it brought the two sisters together and now they're loving each other. Yeah, I mean, they're just, yeah, there's so mm-hmm. many beautiful things that can come out of the human dramas that we experience like illness and death and, and um, 
Yeah, and sometimes people just don't want to see it. They just want you to take it away. Just fix me. <laughs> just shrink this tumor. Just get rid of it. I don't want the lesson. I just want the problem to be gone. Anyway, that's mm. our choice, right? That's that's our choice. That's our choice. But sometimes mm. we can't see it from our human perspective, but we always will see it from, you know, when we don't have to leave the body, but when we when we don that higher perspective, either in the body or out of the body. Yeah, mm-hmm. we'll see it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And sometimes it can, right? Like sometimes it can be removed, but you might bring it back in anyway. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not, if you haven't done the inner work to shift, whatever mm-hmm. that experience is um, kind of like a, a creation from, right? Um, or, you know, if it's something, you know, more intense that you're choosing on a higher soul level, um, you know, there still has to be inner work to get to the point where the high self will say, okay, yes, we can lessen this. Yes, we can do this. Yes, we can do that. And you still have to choose that. Yeah. Right. So you can get all the healing in the world. And if you are choosing to pull that experience back in repeatedly, it's going to come back in. We have free will here, right? So we can choose to place ourselves in bondage if that's what we choose in Mm -hmm. the lifetime. We don't have to right but we can choose that yeah exactly this is i think esther hicks was the first time i heard that and it struck me like i had ran into a brick wall i was so many years ago and i think my team had pulled abraham hicks in for something and i was listening to one of their talks and abraham said they were talking about how powerful we are and Mm -hmm. how amazing we are as creators Mm -hmm. and manifestors and said you you are so powerful that you can hold yourself in bondage for an entire lifetime if that is right. what you choose. It's a lifetime. And I, I mean, it was like hitting a brick wall and I was like, yeah. suffering is optional. Yes. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. so interesting that you say that because you are so powerful because people say it's not easy to turn a negative thought into a positive thought. Actually, it's harder to maintain a negative thought because it is not the true nature of our being. So there is an effort in maintaining that frequency, that density, that bondage that we put ourselves. There is huge effort. And yeah, that takes power. Yeah, it takes power because it's actually easier. Dedication. Dedication. Dedication to the, mm-hmm. yeah, to mm-hmm. the construct that you've created. Dedication. Yeah, mm-hmm. we are. We're so powerful. We can create heaven or hell. Yeah, we can hold ourselves in bondage. Wow. I'm loving this conversation, darling. I don't want it to end. Me I feel too. like you're such a soul sister. <laughs> we we knew that from when we first met each other i think yeah (laughs) pretty much i know anyone sheila is vibing with like sheila seppi i'm gonna have some kind of connection with like i can just always feel it absolutely when we first talked it was supposed to be 30 minutes and it ended up being three hours so (laughs) here we are karen I know, I know, I know. Here we are. <laughs> There's so many things that we could talk about, but I think we might wrap it up um, for now. Is there anything else that um, we didn't even explore most of your journey, but we got a, we got a lot of it out. Anything else that you would like to share with our audience? Just choose. I think what's coming through so much right now, there's a, a few things, but, you know, the ability to be a conscious creator of our reality is hugely important, right? So the more that we can step into that objective observation. And in doing this, we are stepping into our sovereignty, radiating that that sovereign nature that is our innate 
you know, soul right, so to speak, right? So, um, you know, look at, look at your cues, you know, use those cues to, to go within. Um, it's all about clearing our inner selves up to change what's happening out here. Um, and the intensity and the contrast is going to continue because that often is what shakes up you know, the world brings people into awakening, um, especially global things and country, you know, type things. So it's, you know, when is enough enough? Enough is enough when we look within and see where the commonality of our frequency is with that thing and address that tiniest, even tiny filament that is inflating whatever that is right that collective construct whatever that is right so it's about really just getting real with ourselves and and doing the inner journey and then radiating star seeds when the collective goes high and wide and intense feel your feeling move it through or don't move it through let it move through Put yourself in neutrality or above and radiate, ground in and radiate. That's what we're here for, the activated star seeds. Yes, we're going to have human emotions. No, don't compartmentalize them. No, don't push them away. But ground in, get into that neutral observation mode. See what the truth is behind what the collective is experiencing and the changes that are happening, whether they are, you know, appear to be going backwards or forward, right? Look at the truth of it. Allow yourself to feel the feelings. See what the truth is to your intense emotion about it. And then ground in and radiate. Radiate the frequencies that only you hold. This is going to be hugely important for all of us. And if you're feeling lonely, if you're feeling tired, get rest. Connect into the Starseed Collective Grid. We have our own collective, the Awakened Starseeds. We're part of the whole, but we have our own... Um, so to speak, it's like a, a telephone wire. You can tap into the frequency of us. And a lot of us hear you and we'll send you love and we'll send you support. We're part of the whole. I'm not trying to say we're elitist in any way. I know that came out a little weird when I said it a minute ago. Um, but we we have a, it's like a, a layer within, within the collective that we can tap into. And you just have to hold the intention. I need support from my Starseed family. We will hear you. We will send you love and support. Reach out to your teams. But yeah, that's what I, that's what I would say um, is coming to my heart. And do those deep dives. Expand your consciousness. Get into it. Whatever lights you up. Follow your joy and your passion. That leads to all of the the flow. You know, keeps us in flow state and leads to all of the all of the deliciousness that the human life offers. So yeah, absolutely. I know exactly what you're talking about. It was depicted in the movie Indigo, which was made, God, how many years ago now? Probably about 20 years ago. Neil Donald Walsh is, plays the grandfather and this little kid is, you know, called the Indigo Kid, is tapped into the Indigo internet and chatting with all her friends on the psychic Indigo oh, cool. internet, chapped in. And so it was depicted and she's seeing them all and she's drawing them all and, like, she's like, you know, it's like the psychic telephone. Yeah, it's de it's depicted in that movie, which came out so many years ago. But, yeah, so there are different lines, you know, different streams, mm -hmm. different that you can tap into. Yeah, Indigo, Starseeds, Collective that we're all communicating on. That's what we were talking about again with Cyan and Paul. You know, they were saying that we 
we don't need any sort of physical technology to do anything we do. And I said, well, at the moment, humans do. Like we need the internet to communicate like this because we don't understand that we can do it consciously. But one day we'll all get it and we can throw away the computers and just do it with our psyche. Mm -hmm. Baby steps, baby steps. (laughs) Zoom is working quite well for now. (laughs) Yeah, I like like Zoom. I'm good with Zoom and Skype. I use Skype for sessions. Yeah. Yeah. And Clubhouse and all those. No, I love Clubhouse, yeah that we can communicate oh darling one it's been such such a joy and such so bliss thank you so much for sharing with us today it's been absolutely fascinating i've loved it i've loved every second of it yeah it's been really good i'm excited for us to do something else together yeah (laughs) what a beautiful conversation with bridget I just loved that conversation of course we spoke for hours afterwards hours afterwards i was just saying to her fascinated with the ET technology, their energy technology, their healing technology, their consciousness technology, the way they live. And uh, it fascinates me when I have conversations with people on the show about them being on ships and what they see and experience there. It just, yeah, it just fascinates me. So I thought I might hatch a plan to do a bit of a round table with some of the people I've had on the show and get them all together discussing their experiences and um, they can compare notes and um, we can expand on this conversation just telling Bridget that we might get that together maybe before the end of the year or next year or sometimes um, talking about ET technology and healing and their ships and life, you know, life and other planets, how they live, how they communicate with each other, how they interact with each other. I think we can learn from them. I think that the whole point of having contact with our star nation brothers and sisters is to learn from them. They learn from us and we can learn from them about how to, especially the way we relate to each other that unity consciousness that they experience. No judgment, no criticism, pure acceptance and unification and love and working together symbiotically, like working together to um, expand expand their world and our world. And we can all learn from that. I've seen so many conscious communities come together in Sydney with incredible ideas and amazing passion and then the human ego gets in the way and everyone's judging each other and you're doing it wrong and I've got the answers and you haven't got the answers and they're criticizing each other for the way we do things and the way we think and and it all explodes and falls apart I've just seen that happen so many times in conscious community you know they come onto land and they want to create conscious community and egos get in the way and it all falls apart We can learn from our ET brothers and sisters, the ET Star Nation people, you know, how to be more unified in our consciousness and work together to expand this world, to build a, to create a better world, a more sustainable, more unified, more loving world. I was just saying to Bridget before that, you know, I've got a friend who identifies as a star seed, knows that very well that he's from another planet, but he just loves the third dimensional experience and he revels in it. He's very loving, but he just revels in the third dimensional experience. He really enjoys it. He enjoys the lies and the deceits and the this, and he doesn't participate in it too much personally, but he, um, he enjoys it, which we all can, I suppose. We can enjoy this experience because this world does afford us the um, range of emotion and experiences like no other world like no other world it's groundhog day here on planet earth we've done it we've done the deceit and the lying and the treacherousness and all that we've 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 explored that we've explored separation it's time to explore um, more unity in the human collective and see what we can create from that perspective from that unified perspective yeah 
less fear and more love because we're uh, we are literally marinating in fear so uh, you star seeds all of you that are here to help transmute the collective fear i so honor you because you take it on personally in your lives and your family lives and you experience it in um in your own personal life in your own self-confidence and it's challenging it is it's challenging we all we all are challenged with our negative perspectives and program belief systems but we have the ability to transmute transform and lift our consciousness and expand our psychic abilities and connect to other worlds and other beings and our multi-dimensional selves i loved her talking about piggybacking on the palladian and being up in the ship and yeah just fascinating conversation such a great conversation loved every minute of it going to talk more with bridget she's just love it anyway if you want to you know, connect with her. As I said, uh, she's active. I, I don't think she's got a Facebook account. She's active on Instagram and Clubhouse and uh, her website, BridgetReneeHoliday.com. But I'll have the links on my page on the website and you can check her out there. Thanks again for listening and watching. I know it's been a long show. I just loved every minute of it. Uh, yeah, I'll get her into the inner sanctum and you can quiz her and ask her questions about her experiences. Um, she's had many more we did we just did touch the surface with some of them the, i love the dragon experience that was cool dragons haven't we been talking about dragons a lot on the show lately but uh, the dragon energy is fierce mighty dragon energy at the moment the earth they're very sort of angelic presence connected to the earth energies the fire the air the water that sort of dragon energy transmuting grounding those angelic frequencies into the earth yeah beautiful and uh, yeah i'll get bridget into the inner sanctum who's coming up i forget who's coming up this month but um go to the website karenswain.com slash the inner sanctum i've actually sent out an email with all the people coming up in the inner sanctum for the rest of the year and i'm online i've used to be online every week i've now reduced it to once a month at the beginning of the month the first sunday uh sunday saturday in the u.s sometimes i do it on a monday here in australia a sunday in the u.s but usually on a sunday morning here in australia saturday afternoon evening i'm online the first of the month um, in the inner sanctum and just to have a you know a catch up you can talk to me you can meet the other people you can share your stories share your experiences and uh creating I've opened that up to um, free or by donation. If you want to donate, that's appreciated. Just to keep, just to create community and um, to have allow you to have conversations with each other. A lot of people are doing this. So um, if you want to join and uh, meet other people who are on this Ascension journey, you're welcome to join. Just go to the website, the Inner Sanctum, uh, currentswain.com slash the Inner Sanctum, and I'll send out the links to the zoom conversations that we have both with the guest teachers and with each other all right big love remember to check out the book awakened by death if you haven't already and i'll see you next time bye for now